Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Five of my best with the rock and roll legend, Susie Quattro. Now stay to the end and find out what her number one song is. And don't forget, please subscribe. It allows you to find out when I've uploaded something new and it also helps me. So Susie Quattro, welcome. Five of my best, five songs that are either self-penned or you've co-written and it spans the whole of your career. First of all, how difficult was it to choose five songs out of such a sort of massive career? Nearly impossible. Because um, there's so many, you know, they're your babies. They're all your songs are your babies. But what I tried to do was span it, span it. Um, I could do my top 25 quite easily. So, So this was hard. I hope I made some good choices. The first one that you wrote down was um, Hollywood. And of course, that was also at a period where you had been in Hollywood and you'd been on Happy Days um, very successfully. And then you write this song, which is, you know, everyone in America, particularly, or I suppose everyone dreams of going to Hollywood and becoming a success. So what made you write the song and what is that really about? Um it was my ex came to me with this I call a backwards riff. It goes opposite of what you normally would go. Very interesting. And he said, how do you like this? I said, oh, that's great. So I took it away, sat at the piano, transferred it to the piano. And I wanted to talk about, and I was at the time re-listening to Dory Previn, Mythical Kings and Iguanas, who really affected my life and she did a song about Hollywood and that came to my mind and I thought well let's do let's do one about the what everybody knows is the dark side of Hollywood you have all your dreams and da 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 and then you don't like it and then she commit you know she kills herself um I wanted to do that that side of Hollywood because it's always interested me and funny enough that particular song I'm very good friends with Andrew Lloyd Webber um when we had dinner one time he said to me that was the most popular song at his parties at his house. He played that nonstop. He oh, really, wow. he liked the lyrical content of that. And the other thing about it is that you turned down Hollywood in a way, didn't you? Because you were offered 
um, I think you were offered basically your own sort of spin-off um, yeah. from Happy Days. You turned it down. Why? Because I had done three seasons of Happy Days and it was almost like Leather Tuscadero was more known than Susie Quattro in America. So that was the only place it happened. That's because that show was so big there. And, and I didn't have as many hit singles there. So that kind of took over from me. And I figured, well, I've done three seasons. They know they know this character and they, they know Susie Quattro. So I wanted to stay with me. I didn't want that to be the only thing I did in acting. And it's not. I've done much more since then. You know, like Henry, Henry's always going to be the Fonz. And he used to complain about that. Although he's proud of it, he used to complain that that was all anybody knows him for. And he's so much more. So I didn't want to be one of those. I wanted to be the so much more. <laughs> this idea of the pursuit of dreams and being, it does seem, I know like you wanted to follow your music career and you wanted to be um, Susie Quattro. It's hard to say no to America, isn't it? I didn't say no to America. I said no to continuing that character. That's what I said no to. Glycerine Queen, because this is a fan favourite. This is also, there's a, I, I was, um, yesterday I was going through all the songs, obviously, and and uh, looking for footage. And there's this great live show in Japan. And it's, uh, and, and if you look at the comments, fans absolutely adore this song. Why do you like it? And what does it mean to you? It was uh, from the first album. And it's one of those songs that has stayed in the show since it was written. So it's lasted the course, let's put it that way. It's another Lenny riff. And it came from, so funny, we were doing a gig college somewhere or something. And some some guy knocked on the door because he, he knew where we were and knocked on the dressing room door. And he was a little bit dubious gender, which is very politically correct today. And Lenny said to him, we, we used to, guys used to put glycerine on their bodies to shine on stage with the t-shirts on. So he said to this guy, hey, do you take glycerine? He said, yeah, so it's a drink. And we called it, and he drank it down. We called it the glycerine queen. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I don't know if he survived or not, but. What a terrible thing. Hey, do you take this? Yeah, man. You know, you don't want to look uncool in front of the band. So you say, yeah, sure. Sure, I take that. <laughs> um, and we revisited this too with um, um, Hey Queenie and the the Devon and Me album. Now, one thing about um, songs that you wrote back then, they were often album tracks. Yes. And not singles. On purpose. But on purpose. What you don't know, what a lot of people don't know is um, we had the arrangement and it worked. You know, you can't say it didn't work that uh, Mike and Nikki would provide the singles and we would provide 99% of the album material. There were many, many times, at least 10 I can think of offhand, this song, one of them, where Mike would say, oh, 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 well, we don't want the radio station to flip the side so let's make this a little bit longer here or put in another chord here or make a little bit less singlish. He did this to us a lot. I'm not going to complain about that because uh, they were very good at writing the three minute single. I mean, there were things, I mean, Mama's Boy was one of our own. Um, Michael, another great track. 
that came out as a single in Australia. This came out in Australia as a single. Um, there were just we we did write stuff like this, but it was the arrangement until the arrangement was over. It's okay. It's okay. It is what it is. What is your process of writing? It doesn't ever follow anything A, B, C, D, E, but there are things that happen more often than not. I'm a, I'm a poetic type talker and I'm always being quoted by people and I'll say things and I'll go, oh, and I'll know that something and I'll write it down. A lot of times I'll get a title. This often comes first because the title, like even when you hear it, that song was written by Glycerin Queen. Immediately you've got that in your head what it should be. It's Hollywood. Immediately you've got that in the head what, what should be. So the, the title is very important. It sets the scene and it also suggests which instrument you should write the song on. If it's a rocker, I'm a good enough guitar player to write songs. I'm not a failed guitar player, I'm a bass player. Uh, I didn't go from guitar to bass. So if it's a rocker and I want it to be more simplified, I will write it on guitar because I'm not that good. And it comes out very, you know, earthy. Uh, if it's more complicated, I go to the piano where I'm a school musician. If it's more percussive, I'll even go to the bass and drums and write something like that. So. The, the title will suggest, and then you've got to find, let's say you have this great title and you got a riff going and you've got the title. Then you've got to work out what the song's about and you start, you start picturing in your mind what the song's about. You've got to get the whole movie in your head before the words start to come. And then once you get your first four or five lines on the paper, it flows, bang, 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 bang. Then, you've, then you're telling a story. And I write very personal. I, I usually don't write fiction. Also, the process for you of writing has gone from writing with people to being able to write, I'm saying being able to write on your own. But I think it's a, there may be a sort of confidence thing that at first you were very young and maybe you needed someone to bounce off of. Was that is that the case? That um, then was that? No, well? actually. The first thing I wrote was a song called Gotta Get Away for the cradle band we were formed cradle that was when i got pushed in the back because my little sister was joining i wrote that by myself i wrote another song called brain confusion by myself so i didn't find it difficult to write i'm a painter i'm a poet i'm a songwriter and i i love working with people but i also like just as much working on my own either i don't have a preference to tell you the truth Either way is fine with me. I have a little thing that I've done for a long time. If I'm with another songwriter or artist or guitar player or whatever, and we start talking about something and I go, boom, oh, great title, I'll say to the person. And if they're also a writer, I'll say, okay, we got to write this together. It's the reason why I said it in front of them. And I stick with that. Okay, the next song, we come to Quattro Scott and Powell, three heroes that came to prominence during the uh, early glam days. And this song, I mean, it's a really haunting, moving song called Pain. Tell me about it. Oh, it's so funny. I um, I had this, we were in the middle of recording. We had to stop for about two or three weeks because Andy was on the road, Andy Scott from Sweet. And uh, I had this bit of a thing in my head, couldn't get rid of it in actual fact. And I couldn't get rid of it so much that I called Andy and I called him about 
eight o'clock in the morning. You don't do that when you're on the vote. I should know better, but I did it. And he said, he said to me, Susie, it's eight o'clock. I said, I know, but I got to play this because this has to go on there. We hadn't written for the album yet together. We done a lot of covers. So I, so I played it for him. He said, okay, let me get back to you. I've heard it, got it in my head. He called me the next day and he said, okay, I can't get it out of my head. Let's go. <laughs> so so we wrote this song, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. One of my favorites on the album, actually. Do you need pain for creativity? Yes. In fact, I have a little thing written down on my song pad, which I'm going to be going to later to write because I'm working on stuff for my next album today. We've got 14 songs ready, and I'm I'm now putting together three, the three last ones. Um, I wrote down this ages ago, and I haven't written it yet, but I will. Pain is the best architect. I like that. <laughs> and does writing a song solve the pain? Yes, because you've turned it into a positive by making something creative out of it. You've explored it, you felt it, you put it out there for other people to feel, and it becomes a product. Yes, absolutely necessary. Otherwise, it just wells in you like poison, you know? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Get rid of it. Now we're coming to uh, a song that obviously from an album of the same name that was with your son, um, Richard, and it was the second album that you did together. You did No Control and The Devil In Me, and The Devil In Me is the title track of, of that album. Um, why is that special to you? It, it captured something. It has more than one reason. Um, we were nearly done with the tracks on this particular album. And I was avoiding this riff. Richard, Richard had a riff. And he said, Mom, would you please do some work on that? And I said, OK, I'm ready now. So I went into my creation room, got my song pad out. 
and started listening to the track. I had had some lyrics. We had the title, The Devil and Me, for a long time. And I had lyrics written for it with no song. And it was inside my lyric book. And I'm listening and I'm flicking the pages because something, as you're listening to the music, something will fly out at you. Just you'll, you'll look at a phrase and it'll go boom and you'll sing it. It'll be right. So I'm flicking away, listening, flicking away. And all of a sudden, the lyrics for The Devil and Me fell out of my book and landed on top of the computer. I went, okay, <laughs> okay. So, and I started to sing it and it was perfect, perfect. And it's it's for my mom. And I, I'm a little bit like that, but maybe she, maybe she plucked it out of the book and said, here's your lyrics, Susan. <laughs> it's I, funny how that happened. It really captures something. And, and I know we're gonna get to her in a minute. When I sent KT uh, Tunstall the album, she wrote back and she said, I am a title track person. And this captured me, she said. I love this track. And I'm not I'm not surprised that you're so proud of it. You're doing all these millions of interviews and it's a groundbreaking album for you and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it captured something. It did. I mean, this album, you just mentioned it, groundbreaking album. I mean, it had the best reviews. It was immensely um, successful um for you and it must have been a really you know after all the years that you've been making music and performing it must have been a really positive feeling to be able to to get that come back up again and to really feel alive through that yeah I have to give a nod to my son on this he um and I didn't know until we had finished the project and we did a couple he doesn't really get involved in interviews but we did a couple together and he said he wanted to bring back in me that wonderment of when I first began and started having hits and making my first album he wanted that joy to come back to me so he gave he rebirthed me I gave birth to him he rebirthed me and I didn't know he was doing it but he did it and he said he didn't see me he didn't see me not smiling the whole time we were making this album so he did Push that Susie Quattro button. Very, very clever. Very clever. <laughs> I mean, you said there was this sort of um, accident type idea where you open a book and the lyrics, things fall out and it gives you the um, the idea. You're very, I don't know if this is the right word, but you're, you're into like these things of... Um, things that mean something that happen that you see something like you know and I've read about seances I've read about loads of different things um what is it about that that you that makes you believe it because I've had it since a child I have um unbelievably strong instincts too much so so much so that I can meet somebody and I can tell them all about themselves within five minutes. And they always are going, how do you know this? Because I, I don't see facades, I see people. Um, I've always had that sick sensibility. I've always had ridiculously sensitive antenna that is up all the time. And I just thought everybody was, I was growing up, I thought everybody was the same. And then as you grow up, you realize that what you have is quite different. So then you stop talking about it. You just use it, you know. But yeah, I'm real, real ultra, ultra sensitive. I pick things up, hear things, pick things up, you know. It's okay. It's just, it's exhausting sometimes, but it's how it is. You know, you got to trust it. So you've got to trust it. What happens if you pick something up from someone that you find a little bit 
negative or you find not trustworthy? Do you avoid them? Is that the way? Well, the funny thing is, and I can count them on one hand and leave out two fingers. So that makes three. Um, but I call, you know, we all make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. When I recall what I go, oh, God, Susie, that was a bad mistake. All three times, all three times, it was because I had the bad feeling about somebody and I thought I was being unfair. And I, I said to my, my inner self, oh, Susie, give this person a chance. Come on, you're misjudging it. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. All three times. I went against my initial instinct when I met the person, tried to like them anyway, and I was 100% correct. So, you know, when, when you do that three times in your whole life, I'm 73 now. So I, I do trust that. If I don't like somebody, I don't like somebody. End of story. Okay, we come to, you mentioned her earlier, and I told it, Katie Tunsil, and Shine a Light. And, you know, you mentioned what your son said, this sort of rebirth um, that you've been going through. And it's not just a rebirth. This is like, this has gone up a level. It's sort of moved moved to, an, to another stage. Yes. So tell me about this, why it it's has, important. Oh, it, um, unbelievable. Um, what we did, our journey is unbelievable. We, we uh, long story short, I was a fan of hers and I didn't know she was a fan of mine until I saw um, the rough cut of Susie Q, my documentary. And there she was. I went, I was surprised. So I have a mutual friend who's been my fan since the beginning and hers since she began. He did the footage for Shana Light. And uh, he said, would you like me to arrange a meet? I said, yeah, I'd love to meet her. Love to meet her. So she invited me to the studio where she was working. We had a little lunch together. We did a little talk. Da -da 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 -da. We connected pretty quickly. And then she said to me, I want to move out of my comfort zone and I've got this riff. And if I send it to you, would you like to write this song with me? I said, that would be terrific. So we wrote Overload from the album remotely. Then we started another one called Good Kind of Hot remotely. And at that point I thought something going on here. My antenna was going up. I said, why don't you come down to the house, stay over for a few days. Let's see what we got. And she said, I agree. So we sat on the carpet in the front room where I do all my writing barefoot, songwriting paraphernalia stretched around and we started. We started to talk and at some point we'd pick up the bass and the guitar and it would become a song. Then another talk and another song. This is how it happened. This particular one that we're going to play, it's an earworm. It just is in your head from the second you hear it. Beautiful, beautiful song, very powerful message that everybody, no matter what your color, your creed, your gender, rich, poor, everybody's got a light and you should find it, switch it on and never let anybody switch it off. Big, important message. Just a great song. What did you learn from each other? She talked about what she's learned from you from this process. We've both learned something valuable from each other, very much so. Um, I'm an in the fire girl, just the way I am. I will see this pain in front of me or whatever problems, whatever. I'll see it, it's burning. I'll walk right into it, let it burn me, feel what I should feel and walk out the other side and dust the ashes off. KT observes the fire. 
So I pulled her into the fire and she pulled me out and showed me I didn't have to burn all the time. So we traded our visions a little bit. You know, one for her, the, the most difficult song was If I Come Home. And I pulled her in. She was talking, we were talking childhood things and deep things that, you know, everybody carries with them. And we were going deep into it and embarrassing some of them. And I said, we got to write the song. And she went, no, no, no. And she went out, out of the room, went out, out of the room into the kitchen. And uh, I just waited. And she came back. She sat down. I said, ready? She said, yeah. And she has since said in interviews, thank you to me, because it made her get rid of the rage, if you like. You know, and, and that's what it does. Once you turn it into something concrete, then you can you can leave it be. Then it's not eating away at you inside anymore, you know. So anyway, yeah, we learned a lot from each other. We're good friends. We made a terrific album together. It was Album of the Week on Radio 2. Um, I picked up on our behalf from uh, at Boysdale Album of the Year Award from Jules Holland. I do two of the tracks on stage and they go with Storm and she does two. We we both do Shine a Light, and I think she does Truth is My Weapon. I do Shine a Light and Overload, which is a rocky one. So, uh, yeah. In fact, I was just talking to her just the other day. Yeah, it's good. We have a good collaboration. You mentioned that uh, Katie had that intense feeling of pain and had to leave the room. Isn't that also a sign that this is going to connect to an audience? 100%. Oh, my God. Whenever you... Whenever you put that out there like that, you know, this is what people are feeling. And, and this is when a song makes sense. I, I'm I'm one of these kind of people. I mean, sure, there's pop songs, there's happy songs, there's this or that. But I, I personally like songs that make me feel. If an artist doesn't touch me, I'm not interested. There are big artists that just don't touch me. I don't want to name any names. But there's other ones that just go, oh. And, and they're in my heart, you know? So yeah, when you write a song from that emotion, you're going to touch people. You're just going to touch people. Okay, from these five songs, Hollywood, Glycerine Queen, Pain, The Devil in Me, and um, the song with Katie Tunstall, which has gone out of my head just suddenly. Shine a light. Shine a light. Which one is your all-time favorite, your number one? Out of those five. <laughs> I think for its durability and its lasting quality and the fact that it has never gone away, I'd have to say Glycerine Queen. Go on YouTube and look up uh, Susie Quattro bass solo, Glycerine Queen. I think it's from Vienna. I do a five and a half minute long bass solo at the end of that song that'll blow your mind. And if I if I could just humbly say, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> Brilliant. Susie Quattro, thank you very much. Thank you. Up there is an interview I recommend. Down there is where you can find all the podcast interviews. And here is where you can connect. <laughs>